Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hello and welcome to Raising Good Humans. I'm Dr. Aliza Pressman and today's topic is very specific, really important if it's something that you're going through or something that you might be having trouble with and a little bit hard to talk about and it's poop. So we're talking about issues that go beyond the typical experience of potty training. We're talking about children who really withhold stool purposefully, children who soil constantly, that's encopresis, where there are just so many accidents and so many problems that it's becoming prohibitive for school, for camp, for day-to-day family experiences. And that's when people call on Dr. Frederick Dahm, who is a professor of pediatrics and a clinical scholar at the School of Medicine at SUNY Stony Brook in New York. He's also been a professor at Yale, NYU, and Cornell. He's on the medical advisory board of the Pull Through Network, an organization for families of children with fecal incontinence. He's very focused and passionate about helping families get through those difficult experiences when poop is the center of the conversation. And let me tell you, some of the strategies and some of the conversation feels kind of counterintuitive if you're not dealing with a child who's withholding or has encopresis. And that's because Dr. Dom is dealing with trying to solve a problem that is so hard for other physicians and for families and for psychologists. And so his approach is pretty radical and helpful. And I wanted families to get to hear from him in case you're experiencing this kind of difficulty. When kids have problems with their digestion, when kids have problems with their bowel movements, when kids have discomfort in their bodies, it's near impossible to separate behavior from that discomfort or social interactions or confidence or academics. So this is definitely something to grab hold of if it's something you're struggling with. And it was a really interesting conversation with Dr. Dom and approaches that I haven't heard of before and seem important for parents who are going through this. I'll leave his website in the show notes. It's drdom.com. And thank you for listening. If you enjoy this episode, please don't hesitate to subscribe, rate, and write a little review. And you can reach me on my DM on Instagram at Raising Good Humans Podcast 
where I try to answer questions and give more content to reach more families. My philosophy is uh, there are criteria called the Rome criteria, R-O-M-E, established by sort of the good old boys club in terms of uh, by what age should a kid be toilet trained for stool, meaning that the kid is self-initiating using a toilet all the time for defecation. Okay. But in pull-ups, not pull-up dependent to defecate it, you know, that type of thing. I think that every child within reason, every child who can understand simple, basic commands could be no more than, Johnny, please sit down on that chair. If Johnny will sit down on that chair, Johnny can be toilet trained for stool. I also think that once a child is trained for urine, if you want to put the effort in, the child can be trained for stool as well, especially girls. In order to be trained for urine, you got to put your rear end on a toilet seat. So if you can put it on a toilet seat to pee, you can do it, you know, for defecation as mm-hmm. well. So mm-hmm. the, my philosophy is that by age three, I think that every child, unless there are special uh, situations that preclude training, every child can be toilet trained for stool. That includes kids with special needs, kids with ADD, ADHD, not so much kids who have severe autism with genetic challenge, but certainly kids who carry a diagnosis of autism may be mild to moderate on the spectrum. They can be toilet trained because we do it. We toilet train kids at three, four who are autistic, and we don't have any more problem training those kids than we do kids without special needs. Now we're just going to take a little break so I can tell you about my sponsors. Looking at my skin all day, every day on Zoom, I've become hyper aware of every new mark, wrinkle, and spot on my face. I'm not super excited to say that, but I would say everybody who's been sitting on Zooms all year has been feeling a little bit like bumping up their skincare. I wanted to add to my skincare routine and enter Stacked Skin Care. This is a woman-led business that's been quietly revolutionizing the skincare industry with at-home facial tools and exfoliating peels. It was created by celebrity esthetician, Carrie Benjamin. Stacked skincare brings treatments that were once only available at med spas like dermaplaning, microneedling, and peels right to your bathroom counter. This small California business became a favorite of beauty editors at Elle, Who, What, Where, Cosmo, and many more thanks to these transformative skin rituals. We're all used to slathering face creams and looking for miracles, but healthy skin begins below the surface. And so that's what sets stacked skincare apart and what's so much fun about these products. Every product is developed by Carrie, who really wanted to reimagine the at-home skincare routine based on her professional technique of stacking facial tools and gentle exfoliation treatments to drive glow-boosting actives deeper into the skin. Best of all, every product is clean, cruelty-free, backed by research. And so you can feel good about putting the best on your skin. And there's a new tool, which I love. This is the Stacked Skincare's new Cryo Ice Roller. It's a refreshing face massager you leave in your freezer and it reduces puffiness. It reduces inflammation, itching, and redness. It's perfect for giving puffy eyes a quick pick-me-up if you've gotten 
a little less sleep than you wish. I highly recommend grabbing that cryo roller at stackedskincare.com slash raisinggoodhumans and put in the code goodhumans for a 20% off discount on your first purchase. At Ancient Nutrition, they have one goal to transform the health of every individual on the planet. (laughs) And that drives them to create whole food nutritional products made with real ingredients for real results. Every product they create is rooted in tradition and supported by science. Ancient Nutrition is based in traditional Chinese herbalism and Ayurveda, which are ways of eating and thinking that have survived generations. And it's combined with today's modern research. At Ancient Nutrition, they believe nutrition isn't just about eating the right foods. It's about ingredients your body can truly use. So they source the world's highest quality ingredients and rigorously test them for pesticides, herbicides, and heavy metals. It's why they do everything they can to create products that your body can easily digest and absorb. I recommend the fan favorite, which is what I use, the multi-collagen protein. If you're looking for a great place to start, it's an odorless, tasteless, unflavored, dissolves right away powder. You just scoop into your morning coffee or tea. It dissolves right away. It's more than just collagen. You can see results. You can feel results. Give it a couple of months and you actually see improvements in your skin. So go to ancientnutrition.com and use the code HUMANS for 20% off your first Ancient Nutrition purchase. If you're looking to revitalize your joints, skin, and hair, do it with clinically studied ingredients and use the code HUMANS for 20% off at store.draxe.com. Sakara is a nutrition company that focuses on overall wellness, starting with what you eat. Their organic ready-to-eat meals are made of powerful plant-based ingredients and are designed to boost your energy, improve your digestion, and get your skin glowing. The menu of creative chef-crafted ready-to-eat breakfast, lunches, and dinners changes weekly so you'll never get bored, and it's delivered fresh to your door anywhere in the U.S., along with the incredibly yummy plant-rich meals. Sakara also offers daily wellness essentials like supplements and herbal teas to support your nutrition. Experience the transformative power of plants with their best-selling metabolism super powder made with organic raw cacao. It works to boost energy, eliminate bloating, minimize sugar cravings, and reduce fatigue. Sakara has received rave reviews from Goop, Vogue, The New York Times, and more. And right now, Sakara is offering our listeners 20% off their first order when they go to sakara.com slash RGH or just enter RGH at checkout. That is sakara, S-A-K-A-R-A dot com slash RGH for 20% off your first order. Sakara.com slash RGH. Meet the toy New York Magazine calls Radio Lab for Kids. The Tony Box is a screen-free digital listening experience for little listeners ages three and up that comes to life paired with Tony's collectible figurines with unique stories and songs that you can share. From Disney favorites like Frozen and The Lion King to children's classics like The Gruffalo and Pinocchio, it's one little box offering countless big adventures. 
Ready to get story time started? Head to tonys.com to learn more and build your bundle. And you get 20% off for adding the code HUMANS20 when you go to www.tonys.com. This Tony box was invented by two dads who, like many parents, were concerned about the amount of time their kids were spending on screens. In addition to an ever-growing collection of content to choose from, the controls are designed for little listeners that allows kids to easily adjust volume, rewind, fast forward, and swap stories all on their own. So it's really nice when you need a break, but you don't want to turn the TV on. And there's a headphone jack for moments when you also need a little bit of quiet time. With no wires or need for Wi-Fi connection after the initial setup, the Tony Box is truly portable and ready to take story time wherever your family roams. Tony's was named one of Fast Company's most innovative education companies of 2021 for sparking learning, curiosity, wonder, and creativity in kids by providing an audio alternative to screen time. Go to www.tonies.com and put in the code HUMANS20 for 20% off. When you have a young child, what are the moments when you know this is going south, this potty training is going south, it's going to lead to withholding or something? What are those first signs that you hear about or you see? And then when should people seek help? Like when is it past typical behavior modification or typical support? No, it's a good question. I think that parents love to hear and for me to acknowledge that if your child has a hard, painful bowel movement, that can lead to stool withholding. You know, who wants to have a bowel movement if it's going to hurt? And kids, mm. even at, uh, I've seen six-month-olds, and I don't know how they do it, who stool withhold. But most of the time, it starts in about a year, year and a half. And it may be uh, after a kid has had a hard bowel movement, maybe with a little cut in the anal area, you see a little bit of bright red blood. It's called an anal fissure. And then they start to withhold. The problem that I have is that when I see a kid who's now four, five, six, seven years of age, to blame it on that event, I think that's to miss the essence of behavior. And I think there's much, much more that has happened subsequently where if you don't pay attention, what happens, the consequences of a child in a family that's undergoing separation or divorce or severe illness or death or even suicide of a family member, gender issues that sometimes occur. I think you're missing the opportunity to really help that child. Now, I can do that in terms of uh, certainly toilet training, but when it's global, I am the first one to say, look, why don't you call your pediatrician? I think that you would benefit from maybe getting a behavioral therapist, a pediatric behavioral therapist to help your child, but also to help you. I think that what parents think is that uh, the child's going to go have some play therapy and everybody's going to play. Right. I really say to the parents, we will determine how your child is doing as parents because our responses to the demands of our kids determine then their behavior. 
It's like the kid is used to wearing a pull-up and I take pull-ups off these kids. Once they start with me, they never ever night or day wear another disposable, whether it's a pull-up pamper or deck. Can never. you say that again? Because I I find pull-ups so frustrating because I'm like, how is a kid supposed to feel what's happening if you're but getting this? Feel. So what is it for you? The humiliation? Me, it's <laughs> the parents are giving a mixed message. Yeah. They're yeah. saying, Johnny, you know, come on. You know, don't go in your pants. Right. But if you do, don't worry about it. But here's a toilet if you if you make a mistake. Yeah. 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 I am not into being inconsistent. I would rather be consistent and wrong and apologize than being inconsistent and getting nothing done. It's very hard for kids to have parents who are super unpredictable and inconsistent. It sounds like some of the issues that you see do come from that inconsistent response. And is there fear around, because I hear this a lot, I don't want to traumatize my kid. And I really encourage parents to understand what trauma is so that they realize it has nothing to do with, an, if you know that you have a loving and consistent and stable caregiver, you aren't traumatizing your kid. The very nature of doing that means that you're trying to help them learn how to use the bathroom, you know, and it might be uncomfortable, but well, that's not trauma. What I say to them is, in Three days or less, your child who has never self-initiated sitting on a toilet to have a bowel movement is going to be self-initiating every bowel movement. And your child is going to be running around the house screaming, smiling, saying, I did it. (laughs) Your child also is not going to have the discomfort that he has now by being impacted with stool. So mood already is lifted from that. Mood. Uh, My kids ran a major center in the city for autistic kids. And I've trained a lot of autistic kids. And the one thing they both said, they're speech language pathologists, is that the child's ability to concentrate, whether it's in speech, OT, PT, whatever it is, changes dramatically for the good once they stop having to worry about soiling. They are so anxious, a lot of them, that they haven't really learned how to articulate. So I always say to people, Nothing, there's nothing good in stool withholding and anchopresis. Nothing. It just drains a family. Marriage relationships, partner relationships suffer. Siblings hate it. The house smells. They can't bring their friends home. But when you take care of this problem, and in our program, you talk about a week, you know, look what you've achieved. Uh, Don't worry about your child's psyche. Your child is only going to feel better about himself or herself. You have done that child the greatest good that you could possibly do because what child can feel whole who's not toilet trained? It's not possible. Right. It's part of having a sense of agency. And, you know, I'm glad you pointed that out because I think that's how you can get past the hump of, whoa, this feels very, you know, it's demanding. Well, I think I always kid with them. I have a wonderful time. I think I have a reasonable sense of humor. Most of the people that I deal with can laugh. (laughs) And I tell them I am the Dallas cheerleader. And and there's no failure in my vocabulary. And we are no quit. So don't you dare say after a day or two that you're dropping out because it's not happening. And they can laugh and they know that I care about them. And they stick with it. And uh, the ability to toilet train these kids You have to have a passion for it. It's got to be in your blood. Uh, And you have to know that it can be done. There should be no failure. 
Uh, the words hopefully, that's a cynical word. It's not part of my vocabulary. Mother says, oh, hopefully he'll continue to do well. I said, no, he will. She said, how do you know? I said, because I've had 40 years of observing kids who make this transition. They never go back to what they were before. So if a kid doesn't feel like they have much control, so we're talking about younger kids at this point, if they don't feel like they have much control and they're using this withholding as a control thing, do you advocate parents sort of finding ways to give kids control or does that freak you out? No, 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 no. I'm a... I spend more time parenting. Most of the time that I spend is not doling out meds. I think we think out of the box, we can do that. But it's relating what my experience has been like as a parent, mistakes I've made and what I've tried to do to correct them. So for instance, I always ask, uh, you know, how much time does child spend with his father? Okay, let's assume his father is spending a lot of time at work. And then I say, you know, my experience has been that whenever possible, I would always, if I were working long hours that week at the hospital, on the weekend, I would make sure that if I were going into town, wouldn't matter for what, you know, pick up my shirts, that uh, I always took one of the kids with me. Now, my kids are spread out in age and that worked well. And so they would say, well, what for? I'd say, because going to get the shirts was just a pretext. Then we're going for ice cream. Then we're going to go take a walk in the backyard. I suggest if you have a backyard or in the house, maybe he would like to hide something and you can hide it with him and it'll be just your secret. Things of this nature that uh, when you're going away on vacation or you're going away to work, leave something under the pillow, leave a picture of yourself, uh, leave a note that someone can read. The other thing I used to take it for granted that when people went to work, they would pick up the phone and call their kids. I was wrong. That is something you have to remind parents to do. Put an alarm in your phone so that two or three times a day you call and just say hello. You know what? My Probably kid, not with the like the two and three year olds, but now it can be a three year old. Absolutely, it's I could see life. a three year old getting more agitated. Right. This is not one of the wealthy camps in Maine where the parents call three times a week. And the, and the kid has a breakdown, a meltdown when the, when the phone conversation is over. This is about checking in and connecting. Checking in. How are you, sweetheart? Mm -hmm. What are you doing? It's a quickie. You know, we decorate the bathroom into a party room when the kids are younger or a media room when they're older. And I say to them, you know, have you got a theme, Legos, trucks, whatever. And then I'm getting them excited about it. And there is, there is like praise and reward. I'm giving them ownership of that party room. I tell the parents, great, let them own it, let them decorate it funky and do me a favor. We're in the interior bathroom design business. Send us a picture of that party Mm -hmm. with your kid's picture. We love to see that. And did they get that before success? Like as a place to set it up happily? No, no, that's day one. Day one. Okay. So you're you're changing the whole tone of poop. It's all positive. And, and, Parent will get on and I'll say, how was the day? Well, and, and, you know, over the phone, you know, if they have to take a breath, you know what you're, what you're getting into. And I'll say, well, <laughs> why don't you let me take you through it? Because I'm going to show you how this was a great day. And it always is because their expectations are so far beyond what mine are 
I like little baby steps every day. And I can point out to them, look at what we did today. You know, after two days, I have a kid who's self-initiating who's been soiling for 40 years, but the kid had a little accident and the mother, she can't stand the accident, you know? And, and I say, well, when's the last time your kid self-initiated going to the bathroom? And she say, oh, never. And I say, well, that's pretty good, isn't it? So here you are again, catching, like finding the positive in something. Always. How do you feel about behavior shaping? Like, are there small goals or do you like them to hit the major goal of in the toilet right away? No. uh, What we tell them is seven days or less. 75% of the kids will be self-initiating, sleeping through the night and functioning appropriate for their age. Okay. So can you give some strategies for families who are not calling, like they're not going to be able to do the program or they're not doing a program because they don't necessarily need to yet? You know, you asked me something before that I really didn't get to. What are the warning signs? So I talked about a painful Oh, great. Whatever. Mm -hmm. But the truth is, if you've got a kid, and I see a lot of 18 months old, 18 months old, so it's already the steward holding like crazy. If you have a kid who after two to four weeks, you know, again, no science, is withholding. They're hiding, they're crossing their legs, they're dancing on their toes. Their rear end is clenched so tight that the dynamite couldn't, couldn't uh, you know, get them to relax. You get that, man, you got to jump in. And the problem is, uh, you know, I, I'm not arrogant, but I've been around a long time. <laughs> they are getting just the opposite from their practicing physicians. They are getting the statement, don't worry about it. You know, he won't go to college in diapers. He'll grow out of it. Everything wrong. And I don't know why. It's easier to get a liver transplant done in this country than have someone who's knowledgeable and committed to trying to help people whose kids are really having problems. What happens is everybody just sort of follows the rules. Uh, we'll give as much of one medicine or another as it says on the bottle because we don't want to get sued. Well, I can tell you when you take care of kids who are stool withholding, we're not talking about kids who are constipated. Constipation is you got to go, but you can't. We're talking about kids who withhold because they got to go and they don't want to go. So uh, that dose that's recommended is so small that it's actually causing them to soil more rather than helping them. Uh, so all of these parents, now maybe we get uh, a special population. They've been through it for a long time. They're catastrophic. But all of these parents are so frustrated. And what I say to them is, hey, look, you know, it's one of the first things that I say is no regret, no guilt on your part. And I'm usually speaking to the mothers. You did everything right. You didn't do anything wrong. Didn't you go to the doctor? Didn't you follow the doctor's orders? And they all say, yes, we did. And I said, well, then I guess it's the doctor's problem and not your problem. And there's nobody out there that they can reach out to for help. They think that because a doctor has his boards and peds or GI that he knows anything about this subject. And I don't know what it is. Toddlers who go to a pediatrician are still withholding with or without encapresis. And the parents don't want to tell the doctors. The doctors don't know the history to ask and it just goes on and on. 30 to 40% of toddlers are stool withholding? Yep. Wow. So people are taking it very personally when their kids are withholding. And it's also 
I'm sure a, a cycle of more anxiety and wanting to hide more because you're feeling like you just are getting it wrong as a parent. Otherwise right. your kid would be going to the bathroom. Right. And uh, I always ask, is there going to be sabotage in the family when we do this? How does your partner feel? And what are some of the things, the sabotage, well, one sabotage is offering, you know, you were talking about offering certain water liquids or whatever. Um, But what other sabotage do you see? So we have a rule in the beginning, which makes sense that in the first few days, we decorate a bathroom, we make a media room out of a party room. And during the day, child has all of his toys, including an iPad, has the parent, decorating the place they love the party room and the media room they and are you are you saying that like we're doing this because we're we're going to make going to the bathroom and the toilet something fun and we're going to stop this nonsense like how are you how are you opening that up oh it's easy we're here to entertain your child this is not punitive and then i throw in we never never use enemas and there is a sigh of relief on the other end saying thank god So we have one of the only programs that's strictly oral with behavioral modification. Uh, So they like hearing that and they can tell I have a passion for this. I never get tired. I, you know, we've done, I think, 70 new patients since December 1st. It's a lot of kids. And I give, you know, this speech and this and that, whatever. I never get tired of it. And and they'll say to me, how do you keep doing it? And I'll say, because I live through it. And anyone who's lived through a child with encapresis, you can't just walk away from it. You have to try to help people. For instance, you're out for dinner and Johnny's sitting next to you, mom. He doesn't want to announce he has to go. Have a signal where he has to tap you on your leg so he can do it privately. Just, I don't know. It's intuitive with me. I'm not sure it's intuitive with most people. I think it's great to hear concrete, actionable parent behavior that you can do pretty easily, like the, you know, predicting kind of those moments. We're going out to dinner. What can be a private sign so it's not an embarrassment? Well, I draw the, draw the analogy. And I'll say to the mother, look, how many bathrooms are in this restaurant? How many stalls? And are they right next to each other? I say, you know, you're out with your girlfriend. She's got to go to the bathroom. And you have to go to the bathroom, but you wait till she comes back because this is not the Marines. We are not comfortable sitting there next to one of our friends having a bowel movement. And your child's not going to be comfortable doing that either. Oh, I know my child will go in school. Well, let me tell you, my experience is when the bathroom is in the room, that child is not going to have a bowel movement in that bathroom because it smells and all the other kids are going to make fun of them. I had a, a child who was doing great. He's six years of, of age. He's now urinating all over himself, pooping all over himself. And I, it took me a while. I thought he had a problem with the spinal cord. I really did. And then I realized, I, I took a better history. The teacher left the door of the bathroom open every time the kids went into the bathroom. So the kid never used the bathroom. And he, he was orthodox and he'd get home till seven o'clock at night. That's a long time. You know, talk about sleeping 12 hours. Imagine they leave at seven, come home at seven, and we have to deal with that too in terms of making sure they get their medicine in school. I always check to make sure there's not a long bus ride. You know, is your child picked up first and dropped off last? We take care of all of these things. 
because every single one of them potentially puts our kid at risk. Can you give an example of how you would respond immediately with reward or praise? Yeah, it's easy. So what I do is on day one, where first three days are clean out. I want to get the bowel relatively cleaned out, clinically at least. I don't do x-rays, but I can tell from the history how we're doing. So what I say on day one is, look, we're going to condition your kid. Your kid is, uh, according to an alarm in your phone, going to sit on the toilet for 10 minutes every hour and then get off and resume playing in the party room. And we're going to give your kid an iPad when your kid sits down to play with. Uh, there won't be any pushback. He'll, you know, he'll love it. And then when he's getting up, he'll give you back the iPad. So uh, you will have a very happy kid. And then I say, we don't bribe. And you have to explain the difference between a bribe and a treat. A bribe is, do you see this cookie in my hand? You want this cookie, go sit on the toilet. That's a bribe. That doesn't work. Uh, absolutely. And they all know it because they've been through bribing their kids for years. But I say there's a difference. Once or twice during the day, make it special. When your kid is doing well and you're the judge of that, go in and you always praise the kid. You're doing great. You're doing great. Fantastic. And, and you mean it, though. That's a problem, too. You get Some parents are so anxious and depressed, they, they, they can't make it sound real. Right. It, it has to be an authentic praise. You have to find something you I, actually I believe. My mother today and I said, you know, your kid's doing so great and, and you should be jumping for joy. And she's not. And I think, you know, there's more to it than that. And maybe I'll get to that you know, with her later on. But I say, you know what? Go in there and just say, wow, you are doing great. And I brought you a treat. Food usually is a great treat. It's cheap. You can use a lot of it and the kids love it. And you know what your kid would like. So if you bring a cookie or something, it's just the thought of it. You know, uh, we all like to be praised. And goes a long way. So I do that right off the bat. And I would go as far as saying you're doing great and then say something specific if you can, because praise that's specific is well, I don't more want effective. To, I'll tell you why. Tell because- me why. Because you're because I do think a lot of the things that you're saying, while they are totally founded in behavioral science, some of them are counterintuitive to what I would be saying to someone who is not experiencing encopresis. So like, I wouldn't say start out of the gate with food as a reward because I'd be thinking about some other things. However, I can... You're, you're, you're more into some of the holistic stuff in, in terms of food. No, but you are dealing with like a serious issue that is like, if it's not solved, there's yeah. no... You don't have to worry about anything else because you got to get this one done. So I, I think it's worth mentioning that th- that that approach might sound or feel different than what... Well, they're all thriving though. They're all gaining exactly. weight, they're all growing. And, and so I, why not be specific with the praise? I'm so curious. I'll, I'll tell you why. Because that, that could be just, you've done what Dr. Dom asked you to do. You, you've sat here uh, and you're really trying. And that's great. We really appreciate that. Or that could be, this is a poop in the toilet. Great job. It could be anything you want it to be. Part of it is to let the parent determine what type of praise? Oh, so they are specific. It's just the parent discovers it in real time. Yeah, it's it's, it's part of it is the parent needs to feel good too, because mm-hmm. the parent feels, geez, I'm, I'm 
you know, I'm on my kid, I'm on my kid. And uh, this is a chance for me to say, hey, you're doing a great job and to have them smile. So I leave that up to the parent, but I, mm-hmm. it's interesting. The parents will sometimes say to me, can we praise our child? I think that's an amazing question. And I say, yeah, we all like to be praised. I said, make it real, because if your child knows that you don't mean it, you're insincere, then mm-hmm. it's counterproductive. Mm-hmm. And do you have a limit on the number of reminders or suggestions that they go to the bathroom? We don't or that they try, or you don't say anything. Okay, no, first day, good question. First day, I prompt the kid by an alarm system, and the kid sit for 10 minutes every hour, and then sits for a half hour before going to bed. So there's a lot of prompting there. But how, you, you would prompt, like, this is the time that you're going to sit on the toilet. You don't have to go to the bathroom. Depends on the kid. Okay. So, for instance, I sometimes have a kid, here's the alarm, and sits on his own. So that's fantastic. That's self-initiation. That might facilitate how quickly we get done because the next day I may say, look, he responded to the alarm. How about we do that in the morning so you're comfortable with it? And if he's doing it, take away the alarms and the sits every hour and just say to him, when you have to go, just sit on the toilet and go. Mm -hmm. So it's a judgment call. I'll have a kid sometimes who does that first day on his own without being told in between hours, like at 2.30 instead of 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock when he's sitting routinely, 2.30 has to go, he'll pick up and go. I also have a routine where if in between hours, he looks as though he's going to go, he's miserable. And I want him to self-initiate. I don't want to prompt. That's the key to toilet training is self-initiation. The mother can look at him and say, Johnny, what do you do when your tummy hurts? Now, Johnny may respond, he may not. If not, you say, what should mommy do? What should daddy do? What should the dog do? You know, and you hope that somewhere along the way, he will say, I got to go to the toilet or the potty. And after the age of four or so, we call it a toilet. That's subjective to say the least. And so basically, when he says that, I don't prompt him. I say, that is a great idea. Why don't you go do it? and turn away. Don't point to the toilet. Don't use the word toilet. Don't throw him up in the air. Hope he'll land on the toilet. Walk away. I said, what's the worst thing that happens? He stands there like a deer in headlights. He ain't moving. He ain't talking. Let it be because I bet on Johnny to poop a little bit in his pants and then to run to the toilet and finish off that's self-initiation. So that's how I move the process along so that by day two, day three, okay, we are now self-initiating every bowel movement, okay? We don't have to be prompted at all. That is the hardest thing for parents to do. As a parent, if you've been prompting your kid for four years, you know, you say to your kid, you haven't gone in the bathroom in three years, would you like to try today? It's very hard for parents to back off. But they do it because they speak to me every day and we go over, did you prompt? And they're fun because they'll say to me, we didn't prompt, we encouraged. 